I have one of my bestest friends ever here. Chris is here. Uh, otherwise, Christophe or Chris or Christian. <laughs> and he's going to talk with us today about his adventures in Germany. And also, you're going to talk a bit about Switzerland as well, if you like. Germany, Switzerland, Austria, my travels in general, uh, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, we're just going to have a fun conversation, and if we slip into a little bit of German, deal with it. But that's actually how we met. Das, das macht Spaß. That's, that's the fun of it, right? Yeah. yeah. So we've actually been friends for what now? Sieben Jahren. Sieben? Sieben. Nine, acht. Oh. Oh, acht Jahre. Oh my, acht Jahre. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His grammar is so much better than mine. I'm getting there, but it's just like. <laughs> We've been friends for about eight, eight years, years now. Mm -hmm. um, so the story here is that we actually met in German class at Penn State, I Altoona. Think first, I think our first conversation was probably in German. Yes, yeah. of course, in Dr. Lawrenson's class. La 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 la. Yeah, because she forced us all to go and pair up and have conversation, and I think we both looked at each other. We were like, "Hello, hello." <laughs> I, I think you have your your German knowledge somewhat together, so <laughs> let's just kind of awkwardly practice this and see what happens. You were wearing a sweater that day. <laughs> I don't remember what that I was makes wearing. sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I wear those a lot. Because what was it? Was it January we were in that class? Yeah, or was it in fall? I think it was in the fall semester, it was in the fall, wasn't it? But it was one of those cold mornings. It, it's Pennsylvania. It can be September and frigid, for all we know. Then it can also be March and be 80 degrees. Why not? Because that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, I don't know about you, but I've noticed with Pennsylvania is sometimes it does not feel that different from what people describe as Germany and like sort of German attitudes and people. So like, what got you into German culture? Because for me, it just never felt that different. So I was just like, why would I learn about Germany? It doesn't feel that different. <laughs> but what would you, what, what got you started? So what got me started with German, um, I actually, I have a lot of family members in Germany, so Growing up, even in elementary school, middle school, high school, um, we would get cards and letters from our German relatives. Um, we had visitors from Germany quite frequently. So I picked up little bits and pieces of German language and German yeah. culture here and there. Um, my high school actually didn't offer German at all. It was only Spanish and French. So coming to Penn State, that's actually the first opportunity that I had to learn formal German in a, like a classroom setting. I had done little community college courses yeah. and, and things like that, and I enjoyed that, um, but never like a full semester long hmm. experience. So coming to Penn State and just doing a degree in German studies was, was quite a big jump, I would say. Wow. Yeah. And our experience with uh, Frau Lawrenson, Dr. Lawrenson, was so much fun because uh, she actually had a slightly different accent as well because she is from Austria. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a lot of fun. But then we also learned from uh, Frau Mitchell and she would say, it's, it's Sandra, it's Sandra. Don't say Sandra. <laughs> it's, she would say, it's not Frau Mitchell anymore. <laughs> Speaking of which, I had another uh, professor who, when I would call him, you know, Dr. Dr. So-and-so by his last name. The first time that I did that, he kind of was taken aback. Why? And he said, no, 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 it's Don, Don, do not use, don't use 
my last name. Why? Don't, don't call me doctor. I don't know. He was just, he was very informal. That seems to be the way that German professors can be sometimes. Huh. And that's so different from the U.S. because it's like, this is my title. Uh, commands respect. I have my PhD. I have my doctorate. Call me doctor. Like, people are pretty kind of strict about that here. Yeah. Here's the 10-page syllabus. Follow it to the letter. German instructors, German professors, for the most part, have seemed to be kind of laissez-faire, go with the flow, which is, Ooh. I think, quite odd considering German, typically the German nature of planning everything. There's a list for everything. Of there's course, a category for everything. Course. But then once you get into like the formal setting, why? Why does that, do you think there's, what's any reasoning or is it just like a cultural thing? I've tried to figure that out. I haven't really been successful at that, to be honest with you. Oh gosh, that's funny. So while you were also at Penn State, what things mm-hmm. did you get involved with? Uh, what, what opportunities did you get to expand on your German studies? Um, so I did a little bit of independent research um, dealing with uh, World War One, World War II, um, refugee movements after World War II and kind of the reconstruction Ooh. process. I think that's kind of why we hit it off so well was the, yeah. the World War II connection and yep. the um, movement of, of people and the, the studies of of all the rearranging of borders that happened and things like that. That and we're total dorks. <laughs> we're a little, we're history nerds. Oh. Of, of course we're history nerds. Yeah, major nerds. Um, so uh, what was like the, what were some of the best experiences you had? Uh, like what, what was, what was life changing? What was some of the most memorable things? Like uh, what other opportunities did you get to really immerse yourself so after I did my first year at Penn State Altoona, um, we had a few classes together, of course, then the summer of 2015. Yes, 2015. Oh, those are my dark years. <laughs> that was my dark year. Oh, boy. Um, we won't go there. That's another podcast in the making there. Um, but the summer of 2015, I actually traveled on my own for the very first time, like not in a group setting or family setting, but completely by myself. Um, to Germany for a month. I was 18 years old and I had a backpack and a laptop bag and that was the extent of my luggage for an entire month in Europe. Yeah, that's so much easier for you guys. <laughs> so not fair. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, sure. that was really the first opportunity that I had to really, outside of a group, immerse myself in German language, German culture, and get to really explore. That was, I think, one of the most memorable trips that I've ever had. Of course, I every trip is different, and I've loved every trip I've taken, but that, that one stands out in my mind as like the, the number one. Yeah, and what was your what was your first impression? So we're we're gonna paint the picture here. You get on the plane, you get there after it's about a eight and a half hour flight. Okay. I knew it was longer than seven. Um, I, I I knew it was at least had to be longer than six hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you get there and you you know go through all the customs. You go through and you get all through that process back before you know the world was completely turned upside down by COVID. Uh, and you are now. On German soil, what happens next? So I made made my way down to the train station at the Frankfurt airport, and I very 
awkwardly asked this nice older German couple, you know, um, bin ich hier richtig? Am I in the right place? And I showed them my, my train schedule, my tickets that I had. And they said, yeah, you're, you're in the right place. Um, and then very quickly, the, the husband asked me, um, bist du Americana? Are, are you American? And I said, yes. I, <laughs> it was my first time in, in Germany by myself, so I'm sure it showed that I was American for sure. Um, but yeah. after he asked me if I was American and I said yes, um, he proceeded to ask me what I thought about America's relationship with Cuba. That's so random! So, as I'm getting on the train and preparing for a rather long train ride, it was it was about an hour and a half, two hour train ride. Um, sorry, ich bin, ich bin sterben. I'm dead. I'm dead. Sorry. Du bist allergic. Allergic. That's, oh, so I'm, that's how I say I'm dead. Oh, that's allergic. how you say you're allergic. Oh, allergic. allergic. Ah, ich habe Allergie. Allergie, genau. Yeah. If, if you don't like German language, if you don't like foreign language, and, you know, us sprinkling it in conversation, just just, just stop this episode. Stop it, the episode and don't ever hang out around the two of us, please. It's just going to get worse from here on out. So you're just, uh, Vorsicht, right? Vorsicht, yep. Vorsicht. Genau. <laughs> okay, continue. So here I was preparing for a two-hour train ride, and in broken German and English we had I guess what you could call a miniature conversation about America's relationship with Cuba and the way that um, Americans see it um, what life is like in America they offered me snacks oh, oh here food As yeah, Americans yeah, yeah. Americans like food <laughs> give, give them young and man give, 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 it, give it to the young man <laughs> German's like, it's like, ah, oh, he's American. What does he like? Food. <laughs> I think they handed me like a banana and a granola bar or something like that. I can't remember. He but... needs fed. <laughs> he likes food. I just stepped it's off like a nine hour. a snack to a raccoon or something. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I just stepped off a nine hour flight. Sure. Give me food. I'll take that. <laughs> so what then. What the reasoning was for asking you about their relations with Cuba, because that wasn't even really prominent in 2015, was it? Or did I, I miss something? I don't think it was. I'm trying to think of anything that happened in the Obama presidency that would have been yeah, I, relevant. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, um, anywho. So next. One thing I've mentioned, or I've noticed with with Germans especially, is the moment that they figure out you're American, even if you are speaking fairly decent German, they tend to switch to English. I think sometimes they just want to practice well, their English. Or... Wir müssen üben. Yeah, wir müssen üben. Genau. We need to practice. <laughs> wir müssen üben. <laughs> um, but then I stepped off the train in Leipzig and parted ways with the, uh, the couple that had kind of shepherded me throughout my first German train experience. <laughs> um, that was when I met the lady in the train station who yelled at me because I wasn't understanding that there was a delay. There was a Verspätung. Um, that word was new to me. 
Um, I guess it really shouldn't be given Deutsche Bahn, but it, Deutsche Bahn is Deutsche Bahn. But yeah, yeah miss, um, the, people always say, "Oh, Miss German Train," and the German train—it's never late, but it's always late. Yeah, most Germans, I would say, are fairly punctual. That's punctuality is like a stereotype of German society. Sehr um, for for everything but the train system, not Deutsche Bahn. Everything else, Pünktlichkeit. Pünktlichkeit, sehr Pünktlichkeit. And we're kind of that way. Like, and he, I was texting him, and I was letting him know. I said, I was like, hey, I'm getting ready whenever you're here. And of course, what you were here, like, maybe two minutes after two o'clock. Was when, it two minutes? Was I two minutes late? Were you? Okay, let's check the phone record. Oops, sorry. Some of the bad memes. I mean, you were two minutes early. There we go. That was very good. Look, look at that. Beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my terrible memes. Pünktlichkeit und Ordnung. Punctuality okay, well. and order. <laughs> yeah, genau. Ganz genau. Um, so Germans tend to be very direct, I would say. This is kind of from our perspective. Yes. You know, not as anything that's like we're some kind of cultural experts, but this has just been our experience. Um, and I also have, uh, I've made a couple friends from Germany as well, and it's, what surprised me personally, I don't know if you can attest to this, is how much we had in common. Yes. How much we were not that different. And I was like, and that's something with the United States, uh, which is kind of an uncomfortable fact. I don't know what you can add to this, is if perhaps the tide had been a little bit different in World War Two, had the United States been um, rescued, as, as uh, that might be a word that um, perhaps the Third Reich might have said. Uh, if we would have been rescued, um, we certainly would have melded well with uh, German culture and uh, mindset. Um, we actually had quite a number of sort of uh, church areas, uh, churches that were harboring uh, Nazi operatives and the Horseshoe Curve. I'm sure as most of our older listeners, someone who might be older than the age of 40 would know the Horseshoe Curve was a targeted area where a lot of Nazi operatives mm -hmm. were um, filtering in, and uh, we actually had some living in Altoona, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we? Or in this area, Pittsburgh, oh, honey, we or do. okay, well, <laughs> no, there was one time I was hanging out and I was having a drink with a couple of my friends, and they showed me quilts that people make that have a swastika on them. And okay, proud, that's and they're not... proud of their heritage. They're okay, proud, I was, they were like, I'm proud of my German heritage. I'm like, that's that's compart that's. This is not. No, that's not, that's too much. That's, so yeah, for background, rightfully so, the Nazi Party is banned in Germany. Um, any sort of attempt to emulate any of those actions uh, can be met with prosecution. Even doing um, the Hitler salute, which I, yep. of course I'm not going to do, but you all know what it is. Um, yeah, no. That is a punishable offense and in Germany. Um, now, unfortunately, other Germanic-based countries, it's a little slightly different sometimes, because I know there was kind of a, there was a resurgence of that kind of movement. I know in Austria in 2013, there was a bit of that going on. Well, there, yes, there was. Um, and I was, actually, the summer of 2015 was during the Syrian refugee crisis uh, in Europe. And I was actually in... Dresden during some of the far-right Pegida protests. Ooh. So Pegida is like a very, very far-right um, hate group, you could call them. Mm 
uh, against foreigners of really any sort, um, especially refugees um, against the, um, do I want to say internationalization or uh, yeah. the mixing of, of cultures? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know in Germany, what in the, correct me if I'm wrong, at least the past five years, there was a an initiative, especially spearheaded by Angela Merkel, to um, help uh, welcome refugees and mm-hmm. welcome, uh, mm-hmm. and they've really made a lot of strides with that. I do know um, there there's a lot of people who are wanting to learn, and I've run across a lot of people from uh, Turkey and um, also from India that have expressed an interest in learning German. Um, so uh, Germany has definitely made a lot of strides, at least from our perspective, and you would have a more informed perspective than a bit more than I would be since you focused on Germanic studies. Um, but any hooser, I just always find it very interesting how close the United States got. Uh, fun fact, maybe you can give me a year on this. Our national language was almost, which one? English. Almost. The other one. Deutsch. Almost Deutsch. <laughs> yeah, we almost were all speaking German. and we From, w- from the very yeah. founding, there were a lot of German immigrants, especially yeah. in Pennsylvania. So. And when was our, what, our national language wasn't even chosen until the at least 1930s and after? Because I don't think, I mean, the U.S. doesn't exactly have a national language officially. Mm. You could say English and Spanish are really the the major languages of the U.S., but I don't think there is a it was an fr- official national language. It was surprisingly late. Oh, it's a one hour and 25 minute flight to get to the U.S. Did you know that? Really? Hmm. <laughs> Google. <laughs> Let me uh, see. Google. Oh, my God. De facto. That is the de facto na- national language. You're right. Yep. But we, I think there was a movement, um, but I'll have to find that again. There was a movement that uh, proposed that German be our natural, national language at one point, which was fairly recent. Really? Yep. Hmm. I didn't know anything about that, actually. So you're, you're, you're teaching me things today. How did I? In Pennsylvania, which had a large German-American population, German was long permitted as a language of instruction in public schools. That doesn't surprise me at all right there. Wow. Whoa, it was in 1795. Okay, so it wasn't as recent as I thought. Did German almost become America's official language? This is uh, from Constitution Daily. Hmm. So, I mean, I could see even Hochdeutsch, so High German, or even one of the, um, like, the German dialects, especially a Pennsylvania Dutch dialect or something like that. Um, I could see that very easily... Being a, an official or at least an accepted language in in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, Apparently, it is a myth. However, how close was America? Nine uh, percent of the early United States was German speaking. This is from the Constitution Center, and that the vast English speaking majority would have had a few problems with the concept of an official language. So technically, we do not have an official language. Well, I didn't even know that. There we go. Holy ravioli! That is amazing! I didn't even know that! (laughs) See the things you learn in conversation! (laughs) Wow! But that being said, um, I I can't speak for other places in the United States, but we can attest to the fact that Pennsylvania has a large amount of German immigrants here, Mm -hmm. and a lot of German speakers, and what people call Pennsylvania Dutch. It's not Pennsylvania Dutch. 
I, you know, I've tried to understand. Some of the dialects are fairly easy to understand, um, especially, you know, sometimes when I see Amish or Mennonite folks who tend to be the most prevalent speakers of German or German dialects in this area, in oh. my experience. And we probably should trail it back. Pennsylvania Dutch is not Dutch. <laughs> what is it actually? German dialect. It's actually a German dialect. Um, I made someone very angry by pointing that out, and they were like, no, it's Dutch! What do you know? You're not Dutch! I'm like... It, it is not. It's not. I was like, it's not no. Dutch. Dutch is a completely different language. Why? Okay, where did the whole Pennsylvania Dutch come from? Why is it called Pennsylvania Dutch? I don't actually know that. That would be another, another <laughs> fact we'd have to look up, I think. But this we can tell you. Pennsylvania Dutch is actually German. Um, what are... What are some ways that you feel that the Pennsylvania Dutch accent from what you hear is different than... Because you learned, what, six different dialects while you were doing your... I, not that many. But okay. Oh, you learned the IPA for them. Oh, yeah, yes, the yeah. Spelling, the the International Phonetic Alphabet yeah. Spellings. Not yes. the beer. Yes. Um, so, I, I find that I can pick up words, like I can understand words here and there, but I can try to piece together a meaning from that, a meaning of a sentence, but to really try and understand their grammar or sometimes they have different ways of pronouncing certain words mm -hmm. or they structure the sentences differently. Things might be shortened or said a, just a, a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. um, it makes it a lot harder to uh, understand to a, an untrained ear. Well, and... Um, oh, good lord, what was I going to say? It's gone. Deutsche Bahn. <laughs> Deutsche Bahn left the station. It's gone. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, uh, and there's, um, I'm sure this is pretty self-explanatory or a bit self-evident to other people, but perhaps it's not uh, anyone who might be listening that does not live in the Pennsylvania area or has not been, um, had the opportunity to be as familiarized with the Amish community, but the document that the Amish build their whole lifestyle on is the Bible. But they have their own special set of rules, of course, is yes. it is the Ordnung. The Ord okay, the Ordnung, mm. yes. And Ordnung uh, auf Deutsch means Order yeah. rules um and what is state the... of being orderly. <gasps> oh, and then the time, and it's also a German based word obviously too, uh, the year where teenagers kind of get to go and be wild as Rumspringer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. So, jump, literally jumping around <laughs> is what it means. Rumspringer, yep, yep. So that's pretty cool. Um, and would you say there were probably political, I, I'm probably, I probably should do more research on this on myself, but the Amish community did have to come to the United States for more religious freedom, is that correct? Because they were taking some heat in Germany, right? Yes. So various Amish populations have moved around. Um, there were some that came from uh, like central Germany or even southern Germany close to Switzerland, mm -hmm. uh, but more of the central Europe. Um, some actually came, they migrated first to Russia or eastern Europe and then came to mm -hmm. North America. Um, so a lot of, of different groups. That's why there are so many 
dialects and I would say also so many interpretations of the Odnong, so many religious mm -hmm. interpretations, uh, because there are so many just different groups that have moved around. So, And it was the same with the Mennonite as well. You did do some research on that, right? A little bit, yeah. yes. So there's, we tend to think sometimes of Amish and Mennonite as two different groups and just put them in a nice little box. And uh, no, it's not actually like so that at all. There are many different oh, sects, they call them, okay. or different interpretations like within Judaism for example you have reform, uh, reform orthodox. conservative orthodox things like yeah. that exactly so cool mm -hmm. um all right so let's go back let's get out yeah. of here back for, out of Pennsylvania and oh sorry I'm pretty so, I was just getting excited and getting loud very normal so let's go back to Germany so yes. you survived it no you almost didn't survive the train train station <laughs> yes I, I did finally make it to Dresden on a different train that was not feshbated. It was on time. Um, I spent two weeks at the Goethe Institute, which is like the um, the German language and culture authority. Basically, it's mm -hmm. it's run actually by the German government for the advancement of uh, teaching German language and German culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time in Dresden, um, Dresden, Dresden, um, okay. very historical city, a lot of architecture, um, lots to see. There's not a lot to do, like if you, if you're really into, um, it, it's not like a, a party city or anything like that, um, <laughs> But it's definitely a place to just walk around and really absorb all of the history, um, the architecture, look in the museums, uh, all mm. of that. Definitely a, a very good city. I would definitely go back. Oh, yeah. The pictures you sent were beautiful. Yes. You had, you particularly, I remember a picture you sent me, you were, you had like this beautiful looking chocolate ice cream. Yes, so God, that's a random thing for me to latch on to. After so after class, we had classes in the morning, and then we would have the afternoon free to just kind of walk around and explore the city, mm -hmm. right? Or take a train somewhere, whatever. Um, so that would be kind of our thing in in the little group uh, of students that I was with of course I made friends and connections in my classes nice um, and we would just yeah walk around the city maybe have lunch and then some ice cream as we're walking around uh. um, like one one euro 20 one euro and 30 cents for a scoop of ice cream so uh, Can't nice little treat yeah <laughs> oh nice so okay how many times have you been to Germany and also Switzerland Ooh. So my first ever trip in a group was when I was in high school in 2011. Okay. So since then, let's see, 2015, summer of 2015 makes two. <coughs> then I spent a semester at the University of Freiburg from October 2015 to February 2016. Yeah, so that makes three. Dritten. Drei. Yeah, Drei. Yeah, now. Um, and then some Viertenmal for the fourth time. I uh, was in Kiel in Germany. Um, that was, I say I was in Kiel because 
the main reason I did another language course at the University of Kiel. Um, but before that, I actually flew to Switzerland. I did a few, I had a few days in Switzerland and Liechtenstein, so a really tiny country. <gasps> Liechtenstein, little Liechtenstein. Very, very tiny country. Tiny place. Um, but very worthwhile. Lots to see. Um, little Liechtenstein. <laughs> I'll never forget that country. <laughs> Liechtenstein, um, Zurich, Zurich, um, which is probably my favorite city. Uh, Why is that? It's. So it's a very nicely sized city. It's not huge. It's not like New York City or Los Angeles or something like that. But it's still very urban. There's a lot to see and a lot to do. Um, but there's also, there's a very nice, um, along the Limat River, mm. uh, in basically downtown Zurich, there's a, a very historic district that you can walk Ooh. through and just kind of see the... Um, all the architecture that there is to see there. Uh, it's, it's very peaceful. It's very yeah. clean. Um, Switzerland especially wow. has a reputation for being very... Peaceful? Peaceful, clean, orderly. <laughs> you're here again. You're seeing a theme, right? Um, after Zurich that I... This is all on the same trip, by the way. So Liechtenstein, Zurich... Um, Freiburg for a few days to see my some of my friends there. We can talk about that in a few minutes okay. as well. Um, then to visit my relatives. Nice. So remember, I had relatives in Germany growing up. Mm -hmm. um, so after Dresden, on my second trip, so summer of 2015, I went to Berlin for the very first time. Uh, Germans have very mixed feelings about Berlin. There's a there's a lot going um, on there. There's a, there's a lot going on, yes. That's a good way to put it. And yeah, because Berlin was the, what, the center of the East German whenever Germany was divided after so World War II. Berlin was divided into the Soviet side, right? So the East German mm -hmm. controlled side or the Soviet side, um, the American side and the British side and the French side. So there were actually Berlin so wait, for even being... Berlin was even divided yes. into four? Mm -hmm. Wait, what? Because I yep. knew Germany was divided into four, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I didn't know that Berlin also... Yes. So Berlin was situated squarely in the middle of... We're getting excited. East Germany. Right, so it was basically surrounded by Soviet territory, if you want to say. But yes, Berlin was also partly controlled by the Allies, so that's where you see things like the Berlin Airlift, for example. Mm. So um, the Soviets actually kind of blockaded mm. um, the the western portions of Berlin. Wow. Um, and... So the Berlin airlift was the Allied effort, or the yeah the um, British, French, and American efforts to provide food and diapers and necessary provisions for the people in uh, in the blockaded area of Berlin. Yeah. Jeez. So, um, what was kind of the feel when you were in Berlin? Like, what were your observations, feelings? How were the people there? Like, what is... 
So it's a very eclectic city. Um, it's unlike any other German city, I think, or any other city in, in the world that I've been to. There's a very interesting mix of old and new. So there's yeah. a lot of um, East German and Soviet history there. Um, there's a slightly different accent there too, right? Yes. And yes. and like the uh, what my my friends from Germany have told me, you could tell me if they've said the same thing to you. But if people that live in Berlin and their Berliners are a little bit weird, they're different from other Germans, is what they've told me. Germans overall, I would say, have kind of like mixed feelings about Berlin. <laughs> That's what they said to me. I don't know about if you had the same experience. <laughs> yes, Berlin is kind of the it's the capital city of Germany, of course, but. It's got just, it doesn't quite feel like any other capital city I've been to, right? When really? I think of a capital city, I think like very um, stoic, do I want to say? Or like a, um, like think a about, regal sort right, of like that, yeah. Right, right. Um, Berlin has a mixture of old and new, uh, very modern things as well. <laughs> Um. Yeah, just a, a lot going on, kind of chaotic, but in an organized German way. I don't know how to phrase organized it exactly. Chaos. Yeah, kind I can of. I can relate to that. There's, yeah, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, I feel like Berlin would be my. If I were a city, I'd probably be Berlin. Organized chaos. That's. I, I could totally see that. And Berlin, I would say for, yeah, three, four days especially, you could definitely find enough to do there. So there's like more than, what, there's all, more than, there's uh, at least more than 70 museums. More than I, that, I, at that, least. I don't have an exact number, but I would be surprised if it was lower. So, yeah. Insane amount of mm -hmm. museums, and a ton mm -hmm. of them are free. Yes, exactly. Insane great place to spend a hot day in the middle of the summer <laughs> <laughs> okay so we have berlin um where else what are your and then after berlin i actually went to the very north of germany so there's a state north of berlin called mecklenburg vorpommern so hmm. mecklenburg um west pomerania i believe is the english translation is that where the dogs come from? i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> this is where our minds go to dogs. <laughs> um, Mecklenburg Vorpommern, that is, um, it's in contrast to Berlin being very urban, Mecklenburg Vorpommern is a very, uh, I would say, pretty rural state of Germany. It, so is, it's, it is from there. Oh, okay. You learn something new every day. We, learned, we both learned a lot. <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, kind of rural, a lot of open fields, uh, smaller towns. Um, towards the coast, it's got also a very nautical feel to it. That's something I I'm drawn to. Uh, water, I like beaches, um, lakes, sea, open ocean, things like that. Um, so that's a a place where I felt very much at home. Um, looking you're looking, at, and as I say this, you're looking at pictures of Pomeranians because why not? I'm sorry, I'm just so excited. I want to get a Pomeranian puppy. Look how cute! 
<gasps> okay, sorry. Continue. This is where our minds go. Please. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is Berlin. This is very <laughs> academic, very historical-minded, refined, cultured puppies. There we go. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but just a lot of a lot of nature, um, a little bit cooler. That's where a lot of it's very popular with Germans as a vacation spot. That's kind of like oh, going yeah. to the beach, or I don't. I hesitate to compare that with like Ocean City, Maryland, or anything like that because it's definitely much less touristy. Um, it's much less, much less, less touristy. Store, yes, American, Italian, yes. Um, y'all remember that Jersey Shore? <laughs> no, nothing like that. But it's a very popular uh, destination for German tourists, um, and I can see why. There's, it's a beautiful area, largely untouched. Ooh. Um, a lot of, do I want to say, yeah, forests and mm-hmm. just open green spaces. Ooh. So that gave me a nice little contrast from Berlin in a very urban environment. Nice. Um, and then after Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, I actually got to visit my cousin in Hamburg. So oh, Hamburg nice. is, I believe, the second second largest city in Germany, I want to say. I, think I know it's my the friend. Second... I know my friend Lisa lives there. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> um, Hamburg is also, I think, a very nice city. It's, of course, very urban, mm-hmm. right? But it still also has a lot of nautical feel to it. Um, that's one of the big ports of Europe, so a lot of ships, um, a lot of sea life, uh, and and things like that, mm. so um, good a good place to spend a few days. There's a lot to see and a lot to do there as well. Um, Hamburg does have a wilder side. There's the St. Pauli district, which is like the kind of the party district, right? I, um, yeah, things. That's where he spent all of his. That's where he spent all of his time. Don't let him fool you. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and after I visited uh, my cousin in Hamburg, in Hamburg, I actually took a train to Vienna. In Austria, Ooh. Ooh, uh, which is Wien. where I yeah, Wien, exactly. Um, which is another historical city. Um, tons of history, of course. Tons of art and culture and music. Um, the Vienna State Opera House is there. I actually got to tour the Opera House in Vienna. Um, which I'm sure will appeal to you. Being, you actually oh. were in Vienna as well, right? I so. was. That was a fun experience. That was the first time I ever had the chance to travel internationally. So that was a, yeah, for me, that was a fun experience. I was so surprised at how many people smoke in Europe compared to the United States. I was like, wow, really glad I picked up my refill inhaler. There, There is a fair amount of that. I think they are starting to move away from that they have been for for a few years but that was back in 2013 so i don't Mm. know if things have really changed like there's 
Sometimes a good I, bit. Sometimes I notice in the, in the United States, I don't know if you've seen it, some people think of like Europe as this insanely liberated liberal-topia. And some things in Europe are a bit more traditional and hierarchical than we're used to here. There's a little bit... It depends on where you're at, depends on your family structure, depends on what district you're in. But I would caution people to think that Europe is just this super socially way ahead of us because you know it that can even change in depending on where you're at in the united states how people live their lives and the mentality they have in pittsburgh or philadelphia might be completely different say if you go to barnesboro or you go to nanny glow or somewhere in northern cambria Johnstown Johnstown, or, yeah, yeah anything like, yeah yeah so people like sometimes people have this mentality anywhere but here everything is better it's like well no, people are still people. On that note, like, what are some things that you notice that are the same and also very different about uh, people in, in Germany compared to Pennsylvania? Or what's the same? What's different? What do you think? So, I again, it very much depends on where you go. So cities and more urban areas especially are, I think, a lot more progressive, a lot more um, more liberal um, you can find a lot of different cultures and, mm-hmm. and scenes there. Um, but there are also definitely, yeah, rural areas mm-hmm. that are a bit more on the, I don't want to say conservative side, but... Maybe traditional. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more of a traditional mentality there. Um, more traditional culture as well. And mm-hmm. that's not to say that it's a... A good thing or a bad thing either way it's yeah. just like here I would say that life in Seattle New York um, Los Angeles is very different from potentially small town America yes look who came to say hello <laughs> this is Stella by the way <laughs> everyone say hi to Stella Stella the cat's She's always like, making Mom, it. put me down. They, yeah, she doesn't like to get picked up. She just likes to sit here and monitor the process. My cats always make a visit, so... Uh, um, anywho, so, okay, we were back. Sorry, I sidetracked you from Vienna. Yeah, so Vienna, again, a lot of history, a lot of uh, culture. A um, <laughs> lot of... A lot of art. Um... I was there during the um, Donau Inse Fest, so the Danube Island Festival, um, which is uh, basically like a community gathering that's got a lot of music. Basically, think of any sort of festival, right? Um, music, food, a uh, bunch of Austria, young Austrians dancing to um, Helena Fischer. The, oh, uh, the, <laughs> yep, the uh, uh, pop singer Helena Fischer from Germany, um, things like that. So, yeah, uh, Vienna is a very, I would say, a very young city. <laughs> Stella. We're on camera. Please, have some decency. <laughs> Cats, man, cats. <sighs> what can you do? Cats will be cats. Cats will be cats. Um, I'm noticing the longer that we're going, we're getting louder. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yes. Sorry, okay. Should be better, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, one thing that I did notice is very different in in my travels, and again, not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just an observation. None of this is 
um, yeah. is in a trip to the grocery store. Mm. So for a little bit of context, when I lived in Germany, in Freiburg, I had my own apartment, and I had, of course, a full kitchen, but my refrigerator was basically like kitchen cabinet size. So for context, refrigerator Literally, that puts the yeah, shrunk so, in cool shrunk. Yeah, so the German word for refrigerator is Kühlschrank. So literally, the cool closet. Closet, yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really was closet size. Yes, it was, <laughs> it was very small. Um, like, yeah, that's another fun thing about the German language is stuff is very straightforward and direct, which is actually a very cultural thing that would, I feel like, be a, a culture shock for a lot of people in the U.S. and also from the U.K. Because English, we can sort of, oh, please, sir, if I may, but could you, da, 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 like, we're super insanely polite and... Just spit it out. Just, just tell just, me, tell me what you want. Just tell, tell me, me what, what you need me to do. Yes. Please. And, like, there's some things, uh, like my wind chimes, um, that's called uh, Windspiel. Uh, Windspielzeug. Windspielzeug. Yeah, yeah, it's just a wind wind toy. Literally means wind toy. Uh, so if you want to talk about cats, for example, kittens, right, are called Katzenkinder. Katzenkinder. So, so literally cat children. Yep. Right? Um, <laughs> what are some other super direct, like painfully obvious German words? Uh, so anti-baby l- pillin? <laughs> birth contraceptive, control. yeah, birth control, anti-baby <laughs> pillin. Um Light bulbs are glubiana, so glowing pears. It's shaped oh like my. a pear and it glows. Oh it's my a, god, let me hear that one again. Glubion. 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 B I R N. Glubion. Glubion. Oh my god. Oh, uh, what are some other things? Uh, um, it's hard to think right off the top of our head. I'm. People talk about German language having really long words, but if you break it down, it's pretty much just one compound word. So yeah. you just have to kind of think through all the different pieces of the word, and that's usually a good indication. Oh, like a uh, Beerdigung, uh, the word for funeral, going a, into the, the ceremony, the, putting someone into the earth. The Beerthing, yes. Beerthing! You're, you're putting someone into the earth. That's yeah. um, kind of morbid but think about it that's what it is it's right? just yeah super direct and would was that something you also dealt with was that a culture shock for you compared to what you're used to here in the u.s yes i i would say at first um when i would ask for something like in class or when i would pose a question or talk to someone yes there i would have a lot of i don't want to say flowery language but kind of diplomatically oh well could we do this or what would you think about that no just out with be, it. be very direct tell me what you want um should we do one of these two options what is your advice what is your opinion ah okay very straightforward it's just boom yeah <laughs> brutal yes it can be that would be a brutally brutally honest sometimes yes it can be for sure and i think it's not even it's not trying to be it's just we're not not, used to that it's not mean or malicious in any way it's just a very direct way of communicating yep and i mean um yeah things like small talk for example are non-existent so if i'm in going back to the grocery store example if i'm in a grocery store line, 
right here in the U.S. you might, if someone needs help with something or uh, it has a comment or something, like you might make some conversation or some small talk while you're standing in the grocery store line. Yeah. I think if you did that in Germany, people would look at you very strangely and be like, why is this person trying to talk to me? Uh, what is what is the what is yeah what's going on here it, just, it's very strange it's very odd do you think that relates to the um german way of dealing with their own private information Datenschutz. Datenschutz, yes so germans i have found compared to our and own just from from my experience yeah um do not tend to offer as much information about themselves, like not a lot of really deep details about themselves early on in the conversation. Uh, yeah. you, you really have to have an established relationship with someone, get to know them. Um, Whereas here, we just make friends like we're just buying right, a new we, handbag. Right, like we... Oh my god, I've known you for forever! Right, like we, we tend to consider a lot of people to be friends, but in... in German society and German culture, I would say there's a distinct difference between a Freund or a Freundin, so a, a friend, and a Bekannte, so someone Someone who, you know. Someone oh, who, yeah, so an acquaintance, like an acquaintance or someone that you know, right? Okay. That, so we have the word acquaintance, I feel like, but we just don't use it as often. But I found that there was a very distinct line there. So you uh, wouldn't... That's very different because we just want to make friends super quick. Like that, my German teacher asked me, he said, what are three ways that you would describe Americans? And I said, well, we're friendly, we're funny, and we're fat. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and he was like, oh my God. What, uh, feta, freundlich und um, lustige? Lustige? Lustige. Yeah, lustige. <laughs> So I, not, I'm being a bit funny, so... Not going into societal problems or anything like that. Um, in, in Germany and in Europe in general, I would say you have fewer um, like bodybuilder type of people and also fewer... Um, People that are dealing people with weight, for, any kind for, of weight issues. For, yes, fewer people much. of size, I yeah. would say. And honestly, That's, I feel like that has to do with the food here. Like the, the it, access, like there's a lot of chemicals. That so, was the biggest thing when I went to the EU. The food tasted a lot different. So, I don't know about taste necessarily, but going back to the example of my refrigerator being much smaller. <laughs> Go back to the right, fridge. It's something I've noticed now. I walk into an American house and I'm like, wow, the fridge is huge. Um, but the fridges are smaller. Um, food typically has fewer additives, right? So not just um, like preservatives or oils or sugar, anything like that. Um, also a lot fewer... Uh, artificial sweeteners, for example, mm. and just overall chemicals. The consequence of that uh, is that food doesn't last as long. 
So it's more typical, I would say, to go to the grocery store a few times a week as opposed to making one big stock up trip every week or every two weeks. What? And there was always kind of a run because the grocery stores are closed. On, on Sundays. Sundays. Typically yeah. speaking, grocery stores are closed on Sundays. So there's always so, like a mad rush on so Saturday, right? That's typically the busy time at, at the grocery stores in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, you always make sure that you have what you need before Sunday. <laughs> like, what's, what's going to happen on Sunday? Like, it, uh, Most things are closed. Uh, Sundays are the, um, the Ruhetag, usually. So the, the quiet. quiet day. Yes. Um <laughs> In Germ in Germany and I would say more broadly in Europe, that's still yeah. still a thing. Now you can still eat out at a restaurant mm. on Sunday. Um, there are some grocery stores that are open, just not as many. You mm. might have to travel a little further, and things might be maybe more expensive. Mm. Um, but grocery shopping in Germany, I found I it was much more efficient. I found um, because the grocery stores overall tend to be a bit smaller. Hmm. Of course, there are exceptions, right? Mm-hmm. But a a very large, for example, Walmart-sized store, a very large grocery yeah, store, not. I think it was was not as common. Yeah, we um, have so many more drive-throughs here. Uh, yeah, one of my can one of my uh, my one friend in uh, Weimar, he was like, "You have a drive-through for everything." <laughs> Whenever I was, we picking... drive. We have a drive-through pharmacy, for example. Yeah, yeah that. Like he, um, he was drive-through like, banking. He's like, why? What is the? Pr- you just can't just walk in there. He's like, he's just like, why? <laughs> well, and public transportation is much more common, right? It's yeah. I'm the country of... is smaller. Yeah. Right. So you have a country. Germany's. I want to say the size of the state of Montana. I think would be a decent comparison. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you th- you think about it as a separate country, but it's the size, it's much smaller. Yeah. So public transportation is a lot more developed. Mm. Um, you have to have a really good reason to have a car, especially if you live in a city. Um, of course, if you live I mean, out in the country or in a, a dwarf, so a village, yeah, you, you might need a mm. car. Um, but if you live in a city... Taking the bus, the Straßenbahn, so this the streetcar, the tram, mm. um, or the Straba, as they call it in in southern Germany. Oh yeah. Um, or taking even the train between cities, I say, I would say is much more common than than having a car. So I think that's part of the reason why we don't see as many. Um, as many drive-through type of type of establishments in Europe as well. Yeah, cars aren't as mm-hmm. they're not as necessary, really. Right, um, but in even a, a smaller grocery store, even a larger one. Yeah. Um, I think what's also uncommon is it's uncommon to have a huge variety of the same product, Mm. right? You go into an American grocery store and you have an entire aisle devoted to ice cream, right? Or you have an entire aisle of uh, cereal, for example, breakfast cereal or something like that. 
uh, in German grocery stores and European grocery stores in general, I would say there are fewer choices or fewer yeah. products on the shelf. So if you have... Hmm. Is that inconvenient at all or is it It just is? Not really. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Okay, you, you want... And this is very American, but peanut butter. Okay, do you want crunchy peanut butter? Do you want creamy peanut butter? So make a choice. Places. Make a choice and move on. Yeah. Right. There's no. There aren't any like fancy flavors or flavor twists. You don't have this mixed with that or something. Um, you just make a choice and you move on. Yeah. Right. Um, so that makes it very easy to get in and out of the grocery store quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, you have to bring your own bags. They don't have plastic yeah, Aldi, bags unless... Uh, yes, if, yes. If, so if, if, yeah, if, so if been... you think of Aldi, yeah. uh, so Aldi is actually a, a German grocery store chain. Um, it's the Aldi Süd, so the Aldi from the south of Germany. Yeah. There are actually two Aldis in Germany. There's an Aldi North in the northern part of the country, and then there's an Aldi Süd, so south. There you go. Every we time have... you go to Aldi now. Yeah. Um, but that, I would say, is a very typical layout mm-hmm. and a very typical um, way of organizing in a, a German grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have fewer products to pick from. You can get in and out quickly. You don't have plastic bags, so you bring your own bags. And at the checkout, uh, the first time you check out in a European or a German grocery store is a little bit nerve-wracking. And the reason for that is that there's no, again, no small talk, no, hi, hello, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They are scanning things fast and going right down the line and god that'd be so nice if we had that here though yes but uh, as from the customer side you're trying to put your items into your cart as quickly as you can um don't think about bagging them right away just get everything into your cart and pay as quickly as possible oh i'd like that though um and then you just i always just put everything in the cart and then kind of moved off to the side or over to the bagging counters. They usually have a nice little counter there. And then you can, you know, kind of calmly put your items into bags or organize it as you see fit. Um, But here again, you're taking public transportation typically. So you buy what you can carry, right? And so you also get really creative, right? I had a backpack and tote bags, or I had bags specifically for the grocery store. But nice. you start to think methodically about what you can carry, what you need now, what maybe can wait for another trip, yeah, things like that. But since you're going more frequently and it's actually more efficient, you can be in and out in mm. 20 minutes, half an hour. Ooh. So that's, so that's it, for like a big grocery trip. Right. So I would say a, a large grocery trip, half an hour, 45 minutes at the most. But yeah, when I'm, when I'm at a, an American grocery store, I find myself sometimes getting a little bit impatient. Like, why is this taking so long? Um, again, it's, it's okay. not a right or a wrong way. There's not a... Some people have different preferences, but it's just different, right? Oh, yeah. 
Um, so now I'm thinking, I'm thinking of your trips and, and things that you've mm-hmm, done. Like, mm-hmm. um, what was perhaps your, your, your most favorite moment, your, like your most, tre- like most treasured memory of your trips to these German speaking areas? Because Liechtenstein speaks German, um, but they kind of have a sort of a. So Swiss. German is a little different. Right, which I would say Liechtenstein and Switzerland are two separate countries, but they're very closely related, Mm -hmm. right? So um, they use a a common, they use the Swiss franc, right, both Mm -hmm. of them, and have very, very close relations. Um, Like what out of your experiences and your adventures there which would you say is the one that if you know if you had the option to pick a memory if you had to erase all the other ones which one would you keep i would say visiting my my family members in the north of of germany um so for a little bit of background um my great grandparents migrated to the u.s in 1900 Okay, and they settled in central Pennsylvania in the on the property that my family lives on now. Um, but my visit in 2015, that was actually the first time that any of our relatives at the American side mm-hmm. had been to Germany and visited them in in germany where they Ah. to see kind of where where they had come from or where things had started right so um and then just doing a lot of historical research um we were also able to find the very small village in western poland um what is today western poland back then it it was germany but since again the borders have been redrawn and um yeah. Since events have happened, it's now Western Poland, uh, but the small village of about 300 people where my great grandfather came from. Oh, that's so cool! Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was really a, a nice moment of just standing in the middle of the town. I didn't have an exact address or an exact house that I could say, yeah, this is where uh, he lived or where he grew up. But um, when I was in in the middle of the town there, I actually called my dad and said, you know, I'm, I'm here, you know, this is, I'm standing in the village where, where he came from, oh, where that's so my neat. great-grandfather came from. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just the, the puzzle or trying to unravel the puzzle of, of the family history is, I think, the best memory. Nice. Because I, um, you and I both have a lot of friends from Europe Mm -hmm. and they don't understand our obsession with ancestry. And this is the Mm -hmm. way I explained it. I'm like, yeah, we have a whole bunch of different identities in the United States. They're like, well, we don't get it. Like, uh, you know, I've had students and friends and everything. They say, well, we don't get it. Why do you care? Like I said, yeah, they were like, you're American. That's enough. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but to be an American, it's e pluribus unum. It's out of many one, but we have to figure out the many mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. for us to, because everybody has kind of a cultural identity in a way. This is my perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, but for me, it's like, okay, well, I have to have some kind of culture and I have to have some kind of background that I feel that I'm starting from. So if I know, oh, well, this is, this is what all the struggles that my family went through. This is the history that was laid before me. Um, this was what led up to who I am. 
and this culture and this and you know the the, the nature part of ourselves for myself helps me figure out oh okay this is who I am in the middle of all of this many and I think that's really a great thing about the United States um, is that we don't have one cultural identity but we still have our own individual mm-hmm. cultural identities and I think that's something great about the United States is we can find that balance between keeping our own individual cultural backgrounds and identities now it wasn't so great whenever pe- people first came it was like don't speak your native language mm-hmm. kids weren't allowed to speak their own native language I mean my family did on my mom's side everybody was speaking Italian they're like yeah we're gonna speak Italian you're not gonna stop us <laughs> which is totally Italian fashion but um that's why I think it's important to us to go I mean I and you can add your own thoughts to this as well but if I had that opportunity and I hope I get to have that in my life to visit Sicily and to visit um France you know well it's so different how would that be said in German there's a couple different so the the German way to say that would be Elsass. Elsass. Yep. So Alsace Lorraine. Yeah. The region. Yeah. Elsass. Very eastern mm-hmm. France. So that's where I would like to see. I would love to have that opportunity, just because it it gives some meaning, I guess, for me. It just it's like, oh, okay, this is where it all started, and this is where I'm at now, and knowing where you're at now helps you get to where you're going. Just like when you're at a starting point on a map, I feel like. Is that what that experience did for you, or how would you explain that? Yes. So my my dad and I have, have very much an interest in um, the family history and the German culture and our kind of identity there. Uh, the rest of his family doesn't necessarily share that feeling. Um, and I think part of that is probably like you mentioned, when people migrated to the U.S., they were kind of encouraged to give up or bury their original cultures, right? Their, I don't want to say home culture. That's not the right word. Yeah, but the origin. The, yeah, their yeah. origins uh, or their native language. Um, and I feel like if if my if that would have been appreciated right if the german language and culture had been appreciated and that would have been passed down through the family right i think there would be maybe more uh more unity in the family or there would be kind of a shared more of a shared connection mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah uh- that's that's another reason, obviously, we've bonded for so long as friends. We're both really big nerds about family history mm-hmm, and history mm-hmm. in general, and we both had different branches to which we studied World War II and making our, you know, an understanding uh, of that and making sense of all of that. And I think that combined with uh, hearing, for example, the relatives having to move from what is today Poland to... Germany, what is now Germany, mm-hmm. right, after World War II, and I think being present in Germany during the, the Syrian refugee crisis, I think that's the reason why I, I got really interested in those right. kind of refugee topics, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that, oh my god, that could be a whole other podcast episode. Yes, that is a, a whole other discussion entirely. Yeah, because we, I don't, if you're also Americans like us if you're from the United States we think oh 
yeah, we won the war, we made it, now we just get to live a happy life after, and it's all good here, but we don't think about what was left over in Europe. And yes. everything that happened there. And and that's the case after any sort of, of conflict is, okay, there might be a label of a winner or a loser <laughs> or something like that, but in the end, there's always a mess to clean up. Right, so that's... I think something to to keep in mind and relevant to yeah. to world affairs. Now let's do a completely one eighty here. <laughs> let's do something fun. Okay, you, my grammar is not as good as his, but what if I do a little rapid fire? And I'll put subtitles on later. What if I do a little rapid fire asking you like your favorite food, your favorite place, and if you could just Ooh. answer in German, what do you think? Just simple stuff. My nachdenken. I have to think about this a little bit, but yeah, let's try it and see sehr, where it goes. Ich sehr muss trinken. <laughs> sehr einfach. <laughs> um, wie ist das Wetter in Deutschland? Wie ist das Wetter in Deutschland? Um, das hängt wirklich von der Region ab. Also im Norden, ganz im Norden, mm. ist es um, etwas kälter als gewöhnlich oder also ja kälter und im Winter winterlich mm. so Schnee viel Schnee, ähm, Schnee. ja genau ähm, <lacht> und im Süden von Deutschland mm. ähm, in der Nähe von Freiburg zum Beispiel mm. ähm, ist es ähm, etwas sonniger also sonnig mm. und warm sehr nett um, zwischen ja, 25 und 30 Grad Celsius. Oh. Also ungefähr. Es ist ja. nicht so heiß in, und es ist nicht so, uh, es ist nicht so kalt. Ja, genau. Mm. Mhm. Und im Winter gibt es weniger Schnee mm. und mehr Regen. Mm. Also es, es regnet mehr, aber ja. Mm. Was denkst du uh, über das uh, Wetter? Ähm, magst, äh, magst sie das Wetter? Oder magst du das Wetter? Oder? Das Wetter in Deutschland ist ja ungefähr wie, wie hier in den USA, in, ah. in, in den zentralen USA. Ja. Also <lacht> ja. das ist ja nicht so anders. Es, es ist ziemlich es ist, es ist die Sama, ja. Ja, ja. <lacht> ziemlich fast dieselbe. Ja, ja. Um, was ist dein uh, Lieblingsessen in Deutschland? Lieblingsessen in Deutschland. Ist Eis uh. oder, oder Wurst oder... <lacht> Eis, Eis, genau. Ja. Ja. Um, es gibt verschiedene Geschmacksrichtungen. Mm. Um, also zum Beispiel Obst, also um, Erdbeeren. Oh, Erdbeeren. Oder um, Pfirsich oh. oder Zitrone zum Beispiel. Oh. Sehr, sehr frisch. Ja, sehr frisch. Oh. Ja. Sehr frisch, ja. Und es gibt auch ähm, ja, die klassische Schokolade oder oh. ähm, Teller. In, in Schweiz oder Deutschland? In, auch, auch in Deutschland, ja. Oh. Ähm, und äh, Österreich? Und in Österreich, <lacht> ja. Eis ist überall. Right? Ice cream is everywhere. <lacht> Ah, oh, sehr gut. Um, äh, was ist dein Lieblingsplatz in Deutschland? Uh, oder, oder Schweiz oder Österreich? Um, 
Meine Lieblingsstadt, das ist schwer. Das ist eine schwere Entscheidung. It's a difficult decision, right? <laughs> um, Hamburg ist wahrscheinlich meine Lieblingsstadt. Oh, warum? Um, weil ich um, so Verwandten da habe um, und das ist direkt am Meer ist. Mm. Ähm, mm, yeah. Es gibt ja Strände und ähm, viel zu sehen, aber ist auch etwas ruhiger als mm. ähm, andere Städte. Ja. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Yay! Prima! That was very fun. Prima, ja, viel genau. Viel Spaß machen. <laughs> so, I put, I totally, guys, I totally put him on the spot with that one. I did not prepare him. So, total and you, he's gonna kill me later <laughs> he's totally he's gonna he's giving me that look he's like hey hey have my clean messer <laughs> no 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 he doesn't it's it, that's a line from uh that's a line from Mahler <laughs> I'm being funny well good I don't know how you're feeling but we have some food we're gonna cook mm -hmm. which would be considered yeah. a traditional German meal we'll show you a little bit as we're if you want to Yeah, we could show sure. a little bit as we're about to cook. And these were finds from Aldi as well, yeah? Yes. So I went grocery shopping at Aldi before I came I over here. So Aldi. we've got some um, bratwurst uh, with uh, sauerkraut and sauerkraut and um, zwiebeln and onions. And I think we'll also make uh, Stampfkartoffeln. So a German version of mashed potatoes. Yeah, and so we'll show you a little bit as we get started and do mm -hmm. some cooking because that's something we often have a lot of fun doing together. Yes, exactly. So, all right, we will see you all in, in uh, a moment or so. Yep, bis bald. Mm -hmm. Bis bald, tschüss. All right, so we did not get uh, actual video evidence of cooking our lovely meal, but I will share some pictures with you that Chris shared with us uh, from his trip. So some of these pictures include uh, Dresden at twilight. It's a very beautiful pictures. And Chris was nice enough to share those with us. And also the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. And the German flag flying over the Bundestag in Berlin. So thank you so much again, Chris. And here was the lovely meal that he was describing to us. And fun fact, Aldi also exists in Germany. So it's a uh, German transplant of a store. So yeah, if you would go to Germany, Walmart didn't make it, but Aldi's there. So here was the wonderful meal we made. And thank you again to Chris, or should I say Dankeschön. It's my name beste Freund von mir und uh, Dankeschön and thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. So, tschüss as the Germans say, which means bye!